we are Centerpoint Church. This is a recent recording from our Sunday morning gathering. We hope you can join us at the Odeon Cinema in Guildford, Sundays at 10am. Enjoy the message. So good to be together today. And um, my name's Chris. I serve here at Centerpoint Church by leading our leadership team. And uh, it's great to, to be together with you. If it's your first time or your millionth time, I'm so pleased that you came. I just love it when we gather together on a Sunday morning. And in a few minutes, I'm going to be preaching from the Bible, from Matthew chapter 5. And so you can start to turn to it now. It might be that you didn't bring a Bible or a smartphone with you this morning. Well, if you stick your hand in the air, then one of our stewards will bring you a Bible to write to you, to your seat. Stick it up high. Keep it up until they get to you. And um, it might be that your hand is up because you just do not own a Bible. And if that is the case, then you can keep this one as a free gift. Just write your name in it. You can have it. It will bless you and do you good. Um, So before I get to it, though, um, it would be good just to take a moment to thank you all for being just such a wonderful church. And uh, Catherine sort of mentioned it today, but for those that aren't aware, yesterday we put on a free community fun day. And it was just excellent. It was a a free for everyone. That included ice creams, burgers, bouncy castles, drinks, and lots more. It was wonderful weather. Um, Really good turnout. Um, It's really hard to kind of put a figure on how many people came, but it was just in the hundreds, hundreds and hundreds came uh, yesterday. Throughout the day, I've been informed that uh, many people were just heard constantly uh, from the public saying things like, what a great day it was, how they couldn't, they, they didn't really, although it said it's all free, they didn't really believe that it was all free. And so people came with their picnics because they just assumed, well, of course you've got to pay for sausages. Or they came with pocket money because of course you'd have to pay for the ice cream van. You don't get a free lunch. And so people came and they were just blown away um, by it. And, um, you know, lots of people would wanted to try to pay for things or they couldn't believe that we, we weren't asking for donations and we had several people saying that they've not been able this half term to treat their family as much as what they used to be able to or as much as what they'd like to and so they were so grateful that we provided an opportunity for them to come and bring their family along and be able to really bless their kids and yes children you can go on anything yes you can have another ice cream and, you know, to be able to do that, they, they just were so grateful and so thankful. And I'm just so proud of you all for all that you did. Uh, I'm so grateful for you um, for, you know, from all the different things, from cleaning toilets to uh, helping people feel welcome to setting up early or leaving, you know, getting home late because you're unloading the vans or loading them up. I just want to thank you so much. People like a few statistics. That they're not going to be on the screen but a nice smiley face with an ice cream. Um, We gave away about 950 sausages, um, sort of hot hot dogs. We gave about 1,000 cakes. We painted hundreds of faces. We gave away 650 ice creams, over 1,000 cold cans of fizzy, bottles of water and cartons of juice. It's just amazing. Like, well done. Um, to everyone who was involved. And um, I, so I especially wanted to say thank you to the whole church who gave their money so that we could put it on. It was just great for us to be able to do that. 
There was also, um, every two weeks for the last sort of three months or so, a core team of about 12 people from across this church just gave up their time to put it all together, to talk through the finer details, to make sure that all the I's were dotted and the T's were crossed and, and everything would run smoothly. And they know who they are, but I just also want to really say thank you to you. I really appreciate the time that you gave up to, to make it all happen. So, well done. One of the reasons why I think that people were genuinely surprised is that everyone in this world really is just after their own gain, to be honest. There is so much war and struggle and conflict in our world. And I just think, why? Why, why is this? Why does this happen? Here's some areas of conflict that you will know about uh, in our news. Remain or leave. It's just conflict, division all across the country, division within our um, politicians, division everywhere, divisions with, with uh, just different banks or building sites or businesses. And the, do, we, do we stay here? Do we go to another country? Where do we set up bases? It's conflict, it's division. Um, you, you don't just get it this side of the pond, you get it the other side of the pond too. And um, it's just division. Do we let them in? Do we build the wall? Don't we build a wall? Do we, you know, what do we do? Do we have guns or not have guns? And we, we get this conflict and I just think, why? Why is that happening? We, we, we have uh, migrants and uh, people that move from one country to another country. And when it's English people moving to another country, we call them expats. When it's people from a different country moving to here, we call them immigrants or migrants. And, and I think, why? Why is it that it's okay to go one way but not the other? Why is there division and conflict and war and strife? And then we hear about knife crime and gun crime and all sorts of different shootings and massacres done by uh, people from all sorts of different races and religions. And we know about what happened in Christchurch uh, a few months ago. And, you know, we, it's so easy to kind of put terrorism down to one kind of group of people, but it's just not the case. There is war and conflict all over the world. And I just think, why? We all receive abuse, neglect, conflict, hurt in some kind of way and let's be honest you don't have to look far back in recent history and you see it in the church as well conflict abuse neglect hurt pain and i think why i want to show you a picture of myself here it is now i know you won't believe it from having a look at it but i actually wasn't that cool at school you know. <laughs> and um, this is a picture of me starting off at secondary school, year seven. And uh, I remember receiving all sorts of racist abuse, especially on the football field. I would just get insulted and kicked and battered all the time and told to go home to my own country. And I was actually born in the UK, but, you know, I did, I did live elsewhere for, for many years. And I was, you know, I was given all sorts of... Just, just a hard time because of the colour of my skin, because of, I have a different type of hair to the very like, sort of white working class school that I went to. And I think, why? Why all this conflict and war? Why is it in our world there's just so much hate and pain and division and separation and so much us and them? Why do people all over the world seem to be more ready to pull up roots than to plant them? 
this morning, I believe that God wants to remind us that the world that we live in is at war. War with God and war with each other. And you see it everywhere. We find conflict everywhere, in the boardroom, in the classroom, in the office, in the street, in homes, in nations, across nations. There is conflict everywhere. In fact, whilst Jesus was sitting on a mountainside, there was even conflict going on there between people who were called Jews and people who were called Gentiles. And the Jews thought they were super amazing and mighty and, and that these Gentiles that eat pork and do things that are different to them are somehow are cast off and cut away from all that is good and all that comes from God. And as Jesus sat on this mountainside, he laid out a list of these nine things, what they're called Beatitudes. And this is the series that we've been looking at. And today we're going to look at the seventh one um, this morning. And each Beatitude, each statement that he gives is, was just shocking, countercultural to the people of that day and to us too. And uh, he speaks right into this kind of division conflict that was going on. And Jesus talks about what it means to have human flourishing, what it means to be content and happy. And he calls it blessed. And it's not just a superficial, oh, I feel nice today and bad tomorrow, but what it truly means to know flourishing in life. And this week in Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, he says this, blessed are the peacemakers. For they will be called children of God. Just as the world is at war with God and with itself, Jesus comes to bring peace between man and God, thus making them children of God and having peace with each other. So that's really the two things that I kind of want to look at this morning, is what does it mean to be a children of, children, child of God? What does it mean to know peace between us and God, uh, which makes us become his child, and then... If we then have that, how does that make us then peacemakers? What does it mean to be a peacemaker? What does that look like? So what does it mean to be a child of God? Well, let's read a bit of the Bible. I'm actually going to read from Colossians chapter 1, um, verse 15 to 22. Uh, it will also appear on the screen. So Colossians chapter 1 says this. The Son, this is Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or, or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. All that, that list of all those things that we showed earlier, all of it has been made by Jesus, by God. All rulers and all authorities will bow down to him ultimately. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, that's the church. Jesus is the head of the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile, that means to be made right, to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on a cross. That's, that's quite a stark statement. What, does that, what are you talking about, God? How is it that by Jesus dying on the cross, um, all things can be reconciled to you? Peace can come to you. Well, we're going to look at that. Once, it says, once you were alienated from God, that means you were far off, cut away, and you were enemies in your minds because of your evil behaviour. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death 
to present you as holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. What does it mean to be at peace with God? What does it mean to be a child of God? To be a child of God is someone who um, is reconciled to the Father, someone who is not separate from God, someone who has had all their sin forgiven, who who doesn't have to carry the weight of their sin and their shame, who doesn't have to pay the debt that is created when they sin and when they mess up, but is someone who their their debt is wiped clean, their, their sin is forgiven, they are set free. They don't have to make an account for their for what they have done. Instead, they are free from accusation, which is what that those last few words said. The Bible says that. Everyone, every single person, whoever you are, people in this room, people not in this room, has sinned and messed up. And that is countercultural, especially when you are 2,000 years ago a Jew who knows that because of, your, because of who, where you were born, who your parents were, that, they thought, was what made them righteous. And so they looked at people who weren't born from their same ethnicity, from their same background, and said that you are the scum of the earth. And there was division and conflict. And in here we read, actually, no, everyone was alienated from God. Everyone has messed up. It's not about where you come from, who you were born to, where you live. Everyone has done wrong. Every single person in this room has messed up and sinned without question. Everyone. You haven't even kept your own standards, let alone God's. And um, your, your sin and your shame, it alienates you, it separates you from God, that's what those last few verses says. In effect, you are at war, you are in conflict with God, you are separated from him. Everyone does this. And the punishment for this is to be outcast, is to be separated, is to be cut off from God, no peace. And you will long in your search in every single area of life, from every, every, everything that the world has to offer, to money, to sex, to power, to fame, but ultimately, none of it will satisfy And so God made a plan. God made a plan to send his one and only son, Jesus, to live a perfect life. And though he was perfect, he was crucified on a cross. And all of this was in order to reconcile, to bring back you into a relationship with the Father. So that all your, the weight of your sin, the punishment of your sin that you should bear by being cut off from God, separated from God. Instead, Jesus took that. And so he says, whilst he's dying on the cross, my father, like God, why have you forsaken me? In that moment, he was cut off from God. He was given your punishment. Though he didn't deserve it, though he was perfect and blameless, and even Pontius Pilate couldn't find any fault with him, and so washed his hands clean, hey, I can't can't take the weight of this guy's death. It's your responsibility. And um, though that happened, yeah, because that happened, it means now that anyone who puts their trust in Jesus, the, the debt that is meant to be on them is paid for by Jesus. And so they are set free, not, not having to pay for the price of their sin and brought back into an inheritance. And that's what makes you a child of God. Suddenly you're no longer cut off an enemy, but you, you now come into the household of God. You are a child of God. You have an inheritance. You receive significance and purpose and identity and value. And God fills you with his Holy Spirit and you can know him. And you can walk in relationship with him. And so verse 22 says, he will, Jesus will present you as holy and blameless before God when you meet him. 
And so God does not count your sin against you, but instead he separates it as far as east is from west. That's what Psalm 103 says. And so you become a child of God and you are at peace with him. That's what it means to be a child of God, to be at peace with God, not to be at war and conflict with him. Because you know what? In life, you go through all sorts of different seasons. You can have triumph of winning the Champions League. Oh, Liverpool did that yesterday. And um, you can be on top of the world. And then in the next moment, you can have a huge, shocking defeat, like Anthony Joshua did. He's gone from the highs of just being the world defeater, dominator, and now suddenly, what's, what's happened, Anthony? What's happened? He's still, he's still my favourite boxer. And, uh, but the fact is that life is like that. You can go from seasons of success, promotion, money, uh, degrees, marriage, kids, and all the highs, and then you can go through seasons of barrenness and death, disease, decay, and just drought. To flourish is to be like a plant that kind of goes through each of those seasons, but is unshaken, it's unearthed, it's not uprooted. There is a fundamental peace, an underlying, unshakable peace that whatever is kind of going on on the outside of life and whatever storms come and batter the plant, it's not, they can, they can know joy and know a real deep peace, a peace that surpasses all understanding, the Bible puts it as. It's not wishful thinking, it's not duping yourself or being deceived, but it's knowing deep down that God, even in the midst of the most horrendous circumstances, has got it together, can hold you. That is really what it means to be a child of God is to be a Christian it's to be able to go through all of life like a tree planted by streams of living water and no nourishment and fruitfulness because your identity your value the things that make you who you are are not based on your circumstance it's not based on your out, outward kind of outlook on life but it's based on who you are as a child of God it's why the the gospel, the good news of Jesus, the Bible, is spread around the whole world because it's not just a Western message. You can be in the midst of poverty, in all sorts of chaos, in the far reaches of the earth and know real peace and contentment. And do you know what? Even here in the UK, you can be in the midst of poor health, poverty, all sorts of things, and really know peace and contentment. The fun day yesterday was kind of demonstrating in a practical way what, what the message of the gospel is. This undeserved, unearned, unmerited, free gift. The only thing that anyone had to do yesterday who came to the community fun day was to accept the gift. And people tried. They tried to earn it in some way. And they wanted to, oh, can I give a donation? And because we, we try, that's our human nature. I need to somehow feel like, actually, I've... I've earned this in some way. And the reality is that when it comes to God, you cannot earn your salvation. It doesn't matter how good you try to be. How, it doesn't matter how, what wrongs you try to right. It doesn't matter how, many, how much money you give away or what you do or how much you pray or how much you read the Bible. None of it is what reconciles you to God. It's only through the blood of Jesus. It's only by putting your faith in him. Nothing you do. It means that no one can look down on anyone else. I think, oh, look at me, I sit on my pedestal and I earned this. No, you didn't. You did nothing. It was God, through the sending of his son, that made you alive in Christ, who was able to reconcile you to God and bring you peace. And that's what the whole fun day was about. That's why we took no donations. 
That's why we, we, we said, no, no, no. This is an unearned, undeserved free gift. It's a simple demonstration of exactly what God has done for everyone who's put their trust in Jesus. It's an unearned, undeserved gift. We did nothing. And you know what? We, the reason why, as a church, we know that is because that was the very first beatitude in week one. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Because that's what it means. To be poor in spirit is to know that you have nothing to offer God for your salvation. You come. You are absolutely depressed of anything. The Bible says you are dead in your transgressions and sins. But because Christ made you alive, you are able to respond to him and know him and walk with him and trust him. And then you are able to look at the, mourn the state of your sin. That's the second one. And, and say, oh, flip, God, I, of course, I couldn't. How could I possibly make up for all this? Thank you for your son, Jesus. And then you're able to receive mercy. And then you're able to look for him for righteousness and thirst and hunger for it. And then you're able to, um, you're able to like, be pure in heart and have good motives and good intentions and genuinely want to bless people, not to earn something, but just to be, to be good. And then you're able to go and make peace amongst others because you have received peace, because you are reconciled to God. It's impossible to make peace and to have peace if you don't know peace yourself in your heart. People try. And I, and I make good efforts and good grounds, don't get me wrong. But ultimate peace only comes when you are at peace with God and you know God. So uh, in John, it says it like this, to all who receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, nor of a husband's will, but born of God. You know, Jesus is the great peacemaker. And he brokered the greatest peace deal in all eternity. And Christ died for sins once and for all in order to bring you back to God. He is the Prince of Peace. And so the Beatitudes, they speak of Jesus. He is the peacemaker. He is the righteous one. He is the one who is merciful. And Jesus then speaks them to all who know him. And it's from knowing him that you're then able to live and be the Beatitudes that God calls you to. You can't do it by yourself. You can't just try harder. What you can do is you can accept Jesus, allow him to fill you with your Holy Spirit, and then live in the way that he calls you to live. And what I would like to do is I just want to take a moment to respond. Because it might be that this morning you're hearing this message of grace, this free gift that you can receive by just saying, coming before God and accepting him. Saying, sorry, sorry for my sin. I can't make up for myself, and I want to put my trust in you. I want to pray. And if you want to, for the first time, you can commit your life to Jesus and you can pray along with me in your heart. But it might also be that you are here as you, and you're someone who, maybe you've, you've been a Christian, you've known God. During the worship time, Kezia came up to Catherine and she felt she had a word from God and it was this, that she felt that there were some Christians, maybe some people in this room that may, perhaps you just keep failing. You keep kind of... Uh, you're not walking in a good relationship with God. You know that you've been forgiven and set free, but you just kind of keep messing up. And she felt that God wanted to say to you today to believe that God's work is complete in you. That there's nothing you can do to make God love you more or make God love you less. That his forgiveness for you is complete and whole and full and perhaps today is an opportunity for you to commit your life again to him and to trust him again. Because the Bible says it's not by strength, not by might, not by power, but it's by his Holy Spirit that you can live for him and you can trust him and you can walk in his presence. And so what I want to do is I want to pray, and it might be today that you want to give your life to Jesus and you can pray along with me. 
Or it might be that you're a Christian. Maybe you've been a Christian, but you just felt like you've just maybe been far away and you just want to, as a significant recommitment, want to pray this as well. And so we're just going to do that. Can everyone bow their heads? I'm going to give you an opportunity to pray. Look, it's always good for me to know who I'm praying for. So whilst everyone's bowed their heads and their eyes are shut, if that's you, if you're one of those two people, can you just raise your hand so I know that's you? Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Anyone else? Okay, you, you three, put your hands down. I'm just going to pray along. Father God, I just want to thank you. So you can pray in your heart with me. Thank you for your free gift of Jesus. This unearned, undeserved, unmerited gift. Lord, I am sorry for my sin. I'm sorry for what I've, what, when I mess up. And perhaps you're sorry if you try to work it out yourself. Lord, I admit I've messed up, but I believe that your son Jesus is enough for me, enough to pay the price for it all, that I might be presented unblemished and spotless before my father, that I might know true peace in him. And so I pray, Jesus, that you will help me to commit my life to you, to trust you and to follow you all the days of my life. Fill me with your spirit, I pray. Amen. Amen. Wonderful. You can open your eyes. Listen, if that's you, I'd love you to chat to the person you came with or um, come and chat to me, you know. And uh, another thing you could do is that we've got an alpha course starting that Catherine mentioned on Monday, not, not like tomorrow, but in a week's time. And I really want to encourage you to go along to that, to find out more about Jesus, to, you know... You, you trust him and to, to go again and to allow this to just cement into who you are so that it's so that you know you're living this out week by week day by day and so this the alpha course is just a really good good uh, way to do that seven monday evenings um you don't have to commit to all seven just go to the first one if you like it carry on and uh, so at 7 30 uh, at the ymca and uh, do talk to someone afterwards so that's that so what does it mean to be a child of God? It means to be someone who is at peace with God, only through his son Jesus. What does it mean, therefore, then, for us to be a peacemaker? Well, I think Jesus summarised up like this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and that's the first one, and also love your neighbours and your enemies as, he, as you love yourself. See, the, I mentioned already that 2,000 years ago, the context of Jesus speaking of these beatitudes is speaking into conflict, into war, into uh, not necessarily physical, but into hatred of the Jews for the Gentiles. The, the religious, they wouldn't even go into the home of someone who wasn't a Jew because they felt that that would make them unclean or unblemished. That somehow would taint who they are in some way. And so Jesus speaks right into that and he's like, hey, it's, it's, not, it's not the outside of the cup, it's the inside of the cup. It's what's on the inside of the heart. That's what makes you righteous or unrighteous. And so deal with what's inside first. And there's, so there's these kind of two separate groups of people. Do you know what? There are separate groups of people in our society today as well. And there are different sides of the argument. And in your life, you might know, you, you know, you might think, oh, I know for me that means this. I'll let you contextualise it for wherever it might be, whether it's at work, at home, in your family, in your, in your streets, wherever it might be. But it's possible there's always division somewhere in your life. And um, 
The first part of Ephesians chapter 2 reminds us that everyone is dead in their sins and transgressions before God. It's the first part and it encourages uh, all those who don't know God to come to know God, to come to a peace with God. The second part of Ephesians chapter 2 then talks about, well, what does it mean to be a peacemaker? It says this, therefore, so since you, you have now known, you can know God, uh, even though you are dead in your sins, through Jesus you can have peace with God. Therefore, remember that you formerly, that formerly you who were Gentiles by birth, so those, the people that weren't historically Jews, they were called the uncircumcised, um, by those who called themselves the circumcision. So you've got these two different peoples who were formerly different. And he's saying, remember, in verse 13, in verse 12, sorry, remember that at the time you were separate from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship in Israel. That's just like a word for God's people. You were excluded from citizenship as God's people. And you were foreigners to the covenants of his promise. You were without hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Jesus, by his cross, by the crucifixion. And we've talked about that. Verse 14, for he himself is our peace who has made the two groups, the two different sides of the arguments, the, the things that are separate in our lives, and he has destroyed the barriers, torn down the wall, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the, the law with its commands and the regulations. Jesus fulfilled all the law, all the regulations. He did it all so that by grace you can come and know him. It's the relation, uh, Christianity is not about following lots of rules and regulations. It's about coming into a relationship with Jesus because Jesus has fulfilled all all the law, all the things that need to appease God. He has done it. And so that's why the relationship happens through Jesus. That's how we have peace. And it says this, that his purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two. So there's no more division, no more conflict, but out of the two different sides of every single different argument, in this case it was Jews and Gentiles, but like I said, you can contextualise it to your case, that he would bring them together that out of the two would make two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he puts to death their hostility, their conflict, their war, their strife. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and also peace to you who were near. It's like peace, he, he, Jesus came to bring or to proclaim peace to those who thought they were righteous and holy and whatever, and also those who didn't, who thought they were far off and cut off. He, he, brought, he came to bring peace to the left and to the right, to the remainers and to the leavers. He, he came to bring peace to all sides of the argument, to bring them together. Through him, we both have access to the Father by the one Spirit. Verse 19, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but you are fellow citizens with God's people. You are also members of his household. You built on the foundations of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself being the chief cornerstone. That, that being members of his household is being children, becoming children of God. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. If you are a follower of Jesus... You are called to live as he intended. One who doesn't put up walls and barriers and cause division and conflict, but is someone who is welcoming and inclusive, someone who brings peace, not war. Are you that person? It's a good question. Are you that person who 
brings joy to the office, who brings peace into your streets, who brings kindness to your family, who brings relief to those who are hurting. Because if you know Jesus, if you have been made at peace with you and God, then you are then called to be a peacemaker. And that everywhere you go, to be a force for good. This is Jesus speaking to his followers. This is Jesus speaking to those who have put their trust in Jesus. And he's saying there's no room for division. There's no room for conflict. There's no room for hostility if you know Jesus. And that now you are called to come and bring two things. One is to bring the good news that you have received um, to others so that others might also know this peace and know this good news. And um, you can help to bring peace to others um, by sharing with them about Jesus, remembering that you're no better than anyone else, but also by being someone who brings restoration every, everywhere you go. As far as it's possible by you, the Bible tells us, that we should be people that live in peace. Jesus put it like this, give to Caesar what's Caesar's, give to God what's God's. He's saying like, you know, sometimes there are things in life that you just need to give up and let go. And, so, and you give to, to the rules and authorities what you should give to them, respect and honour and be good citizens and be loving and kind and gracious. And so we should be the best citizens in the country. We should pay our taxes. We should pay our council tax, even though it's horrendous. You know. we, should pay, we should do all these things to, because we are at peace with God. But it's okay. We don't need to, oh, no, it's mine, I've got my right for this and mine. No, it's okay. We're called to actually make a difference in this world, to, to, to do that, to do those things. You know, being a peacemaker is not being a peacekeeper. They're different. Being a peacekeeper is like, oh, compromise, compromise, compromise. I'll just, oh, no, I won't challenge that. I won't say that. I won't do that. Let's just try to keep the peace. Let's just keep everyone happy. And let's just compromise in every single area of our life. And, oh, yeah, I'm going out with my girlfriend. Yeah, we're not married yet, but I, I, don't, I want her to kind of know Jesus. So I'm just going to sleep with her so she, so she knows that I'm okay with that. And I'm just going to compromise and let that all happen. And, you know, being a peacemaker isn't that. It's not just about... Um, compromising in every single area. Oh, I don't want to upset my boss. I'm just going to lie on this part of the expense form so that I can keep him happy. No, that's, that's not bringing peace. That's not being a peacemaker. Being a peacemaker is following Jesus. And sometimes being a peacemaker means that you will be persecuted. I guess that's why next week, the next beatitude is blessed are those who are persecuted. Because Jesus knew that if you're going to be someone who follows him, who comes to bring peace, then people are going to get upset with you. And they certainly did with Jesus. And when you start standing up for people who are, have no voice, and when you start standing up for those who are marginalised by society, and when you start, you know, the fun day yesterday, we had so much positive news, you know, we also had some negative. I have people, uh, you know, coming up, oh, I can't believe you're doing this. I can't believe you're not raising money for charity. Look at the opportunity you have here. There's thousands of people here. You could have raised so much money. Why aren't you? Because well, that's not the aim of the event. And actually, we, as a church, we do. We give £15,000 at least, minimum, every single year away to charities, to good organisers. You, you know this. Anyone who's part of our church for more than a week, you know we do good in our community. But that event wasn't for that purpose. And it's possible to get this kind of hostility. Let me tell you one more thing. <laughs> this week, I had an uh, email um, getting in touch with all the local churches because on August the 10th, there is the... Pride Festival in Woking. And so he got in touch with us and said, right, oh, what are we going to do then? You know, we need to stand up for righteousness. And we need to make sure that, you know, 
the righteousness of God's word is being presented at this. And do you know what I said? No. What we need to do is follow Jesus. What we should really be doing is we should be going to events like that and serving free drinks and free coffee and free water and, and blessing them and doing what Jesus did. Jesus sat with prostitutes and he sat with lepers and he sat with the marginalised and he went and he made peace with them. He didn't start bringing up rules and regulations and hosing them down with the gospel and saying, no, you need to follow it. No, he didn't try washing the outside of someone's cup because it makes no difference to the inside. And we can stand there with our Bibles and wag our fingers and say, oh, I'm standing up for righteousness and this is not good. Well, do you know what? We're not good either. And we mess up all the time. Every single person has sinned and fallen short. And when we get that in our hearts, then we realise that we're no better than anyone else. And the only thing we need is Jesus. And so we look to follow him. And our job is to present people to Jesus and trust that the Holy Spirit is better at changing hearts than we are. And he can do amazing things in people's lives. And he can bring all sorts of restoration. But that is not the aim. The aim is to bring people to Jesus. Do, do, you, do you get what I'm saying? That is what we're called to do. And so, whenever Jesus, you know, whenever Jesus spoke to people, whenever he gave firm words to people, who was he speaking to? Was it people that didn't know God or was it people that did know God? It was the people that did know God. That's when he, he gave correction because there is no point trying to wash and scrub the outside of someone's cup if their inside is not clean. And so he came and that's what he did. That's what, that's what we're doing here at this church. We're following Jesus and we're trying to trust him. And we're asking this question, what would Jesus do in that situation? Do you know what? I think he would go to that and he would get to know people and he would befriend them. And he would be kind and friendly and loving and he would just talk to them and be loving. That's what he would do. And then he would invite them to church. He'd say, come along, come and get to know God the Father who loves you. You know, who doesn't call, build up walls and division. No, he doesn't do that. He loves you and he brings you into a relationship with him. And the power of the Holy Spirit comes and starts to transform and change you. Not just that one aspect, but every single aspect of your life. There's so much more to who someone is than their sexuality or their sexual preference. Do you know that? So much more. God wants to do so much more in you and in me than just put us in a little box. So much more. And we're called to help to come and bring peace, be peacemakers. And everywhere we go, and everywhere we do, we're not called to bring regulations and rules and problems to bring people into Jesus, to help them to know him and to trust that God is powerful enough to do what he wants. We're called to be peacemakers, to be salty people. He goes on, you know, to be salt of the earth, to be a light, to be good news to those who are marginalised to befriend the stranger, the needy, to not to alienate people. That's what he calls us to do. That's what we're trusting him to do, whilst also holding true to what God says in his Bible, to trusting what the, just as God promised his son and sent his son that we might be reconciled with him, that we can then trust. We can trust that the rest of what he says in his Bible is also going to be good for us. And sometimes that's hard, and sometimes that takes many, many years and time to work out. And we're all working, let's be honest, we're all working out stuff in our lives, aren't we? And do you know that's okay because we have grace for each other. We have patience with each other. We have peace with each other and we help each other as we walk this journey of faith together. Let's get the band back up. We're going to, um, we're going to spend a bit of time going into communion. Communion is, um, is a meal that Jesus um, kind of started 
right at the very beginning of his ministry, before he was crucified, on the night that he was betrayed, in fact, by one of his very closest friends, on the night that war and conflict was about to really, in a big way, take hold of his life, that he was about to be handed over to be crucified, Jesus took some bread and he took some wine and he said, he, he kind of foretold, he said, this is what's going to happen. My body is going to be broken and I'm going to die on a cross. And he took the wine and said, my blood is going to be spilled. And all these, this, this, what happens, this is going to bring peace between you and God and everyone who comes to believe in me. I'm going to the cross to pay, make, make a way to make peace between man and God, woman and God, so that anyone who puts their trust in me can know a reconciled relationship, can be at peace. And do you know what? He then encouraged his disciples and he said that whenever you eat it and whenever you drink it, I want you to remember this good news. I want you to proclaim it. I want you to tell everyone. Because communion is about common unity with us and God, but it's also common unity with us and each other. And so as we come and we, we take the bread and we drink, you know, it's really good to check your heart. Am I in conflict with anyone else? Am I, is there strife between me and another, whether it's in this room or outside? Maybe you need to forgive someone. Maybe you need to lay something down. Maybe you need to lay down a right. Maybe you need to make a plan to go and visit that neighbour and just apologise or whatever. Because when we come to communion, when we celebrate, we celebrate not just the unity that we have with God, but we also celebrate unity that we, we have with each other. We celebrate all that it means to be a peacemaker, to be a child of God, child of the living God. Let me just pray and then we'll do that. Father God, I want to thank you so much for the good news of your son Jesus. I thank you for this wonderful, free, unearned, unmerited, undeserved gift that we receive from you, God, in Jesus. Thank you that our sins are forgiven, that we are set free, that our debt is paid. Thank you, Lord God, that we can come before you and trust you. Thank you, Jesus, that we now choose to live for you and to follow you and to trust you in every area of our life. And I pray, Lord God, help us to do that. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Help us, Lord God, to walk this life as you intended. Help us, Lord God, to be peacemakers, to spread good news wherever we go, to be restorers of every single situation that we're in, to be joyful and at peace and just goodwill to all those around us, that they might come into relationship with you, that they might come to know you. Thank you, Lord God, for all that you've done for us. We just trust you now and we say, have your way in our lives. Amen. Thanks for listening. Please do come and visit us Sundays, 10am at the Odeon Cinema in Guildford. We look forward to seeing you.